0: Well, welcome back to the Church Society podcast. I'm Roz Clark. I'm the Associate Director of Church Society. And today on the podcast, I am talking to Victoria Parsons and Fiona Bronston. We're talking about our experiences as women uh, wanting to serve the church and um, some of the uh, encouragements and some of the the struggles along that. Um, And at the end, stay tuned for an announcement about a new way Uh, in which I, from Church Society, supported by uh, Rod Thomas, the Bishop of Maidstone, are launching a new scheme uh, that we hope will really uh, support and encourage women uh, in our churches to serve the Lord better. Um, I wonder, uh, Fee and and Vicky, if I could just ask you, uh, as we begin, just to introduce yourselves, tell us where you are in the country,
1: what you do at the moment. Um, Fee, why don't we start with you? Great, thanks very much, Roz. Um, Well, I'm in Sheffield And um, I'm uh, the Women's Minister at Christchurch Central there. And I've been doing the role for 12
2: years now. Wow, wonderful. And Vicky? Hi, yeah, thanks. Um, So I'm a student at Oak Hill Theological College, which is in North London. Um, But as you can tell by my accent, hopefully. Uh, I'm not from here, so I'm from the Northwest originally. That's where I'm born and bred. Um, But yeah, I'm in my... Sort of third year, um, taking my third year over two years. So, got this year and then another one to go.
0: Brilliant! And um, regular listeners to the podcast um, might uh, remember Vicky. You were a guest some years ago, uh, weren't you? When um, you were in a different role. Uh, I think were you ministry trainee back then? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. I was a ministry apprentice. Ministry apprentice. So, um, maybe you could just give us a bit of an idea of how you came to be a ministry apprentice and, and how you um, have sort of got to the stage you're at um, now in your studies.
2: Um, yeah, so it was, it's a funny way, really, that I came into that position. Um, like all good jobs, it was through a friend. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. So um, I was living in Germany at the time, so I did my degree in languages. I had felt for quite a long time, even before that, that I might want to be a missionary, I really felt strongly that the Lord was calling me back to go to Germany. Um, And while I was there, I sort of didn't really feel that being in ministry would be good unless I were trained better. So I was looking around for training, theological colleges and also, you know, a church that would support me um, and mentoring and things like that. And um, it sadly didn't quite work out there for me. But I was just talking to a friend back in Manchester who was at the church where I then ended up working and she was like, oh well it sounds like you want to be a ministry trainee Um, and there's a position going (laughs) so that was sort of how I ended up there, um, moving back from Germany to Manchester again Um, and I was there for just shy of two years and they very happily sent me to Oak Hill College Um, a couple of people I was working with there on the team had been here as well some years back and spoke very highly of the training that they'd received and mm. you know the friends they'd made and just how in the years afterwards it had really helped them to i think keep going in christian ministry and um mm. and not just intellectually uh, but really spiritually um so much of what had happened at college had been a changing of their of their person um so yeah mm. I, I was pretty convinced then and the church happily sent me so now I'm here. Great and you say the church
0: sent you, I mean you obviously have been working as a ministry apprentice for a couple of years uh, which is obviously a, well known for being a, a well-paid lucrative <laughs> position. Presumably you weren't in a place to, to just suddenly start paying <laughs> fees and and so on. I mean does the church pay for you? How oh, does that Well
2: work? I mean the, the people of the church there are incredibly generous, they're i don't think i'm speaking out of line to say that um many of them are not incredibly well off um so that part of manchester is is fairly deprived now but they're wonderful people who just have possible hearts and they prefer to invest in people so they did send me off with um, some money to start but really the the majority of my funds that i needed particularly for tuition fees and accommodation came from applying to trust funds so I had to scour the Charity Commission website and I wrote to friends and asked them who they'd uh, got to support them. And then I just wrote to friends that had supported me when I'd done the UCCF Relay programme as well um, to see if they would support me with a little bit each month. So that was that was quite a long process and a lot of praying and just seeing when the money came yeah, in. Yeah,
0: and that sort of piecemeal... Piecemeal, sort of a bit here mm. and a bit there. I mean, it does add up and mm. it is amazing. But, you know, that, I mean, that's exactly how I funded my way uh, through college as well was, you know, a few churches that I'd been at gave me bits and, and trust funds and individuals and, and family and friends. And it is quite scary, but it's also mm. very wonderful, isn't it? There was something I loved about people saying, not just, oh, I think that's really great that mm. you're going to get training, but I think that's really great and yeah. to use a check and here's it a standing volumes. order and mm. you're like oh mm. yeah okay you really think this is a, a good thing for mm. me to do then so yeah um can you just tell us a little bit about how you've ended up in the the job that you've had for 12 years <laughs> now yes
1: well I'm nearly 50 so I came to um Christian ministry a bit later um I became a Christian at university in my final year um but the Lord, I think, just um, grew my desire for learning, to, for learning more about Him, because the Bible just opened up to me as soon as <laughs> I was walking in the Spirit, and um, and that carried on. So I just took advantage of anything that my church, which was Christ Church Forward um, in Sheffield, uh, were putting on, and I just grabbed it. Um, and I was a teacher at the time so not an awful lot of time to be doing stuff um, but when I was 27 I had a my son and actually it sounds like you know it's impossible but it was with him that I was able to do more because <laughs> um, I did the more college course a couple of modules and he was basically in his car seat under the table <laughs> while I was <laughs> um, attending that. Um, and just various things, you know, I just I just grabbed every opportunity yeah. because I was hungry um, and I had a great mentor. Um, the women's worker at Forward at the time was called Kate Selby and she was just such an encouragement and a great role model. And she got me involved in some of the daytime women's ministries that were happening. Um, and then uh, at Central where I'm working now and a member is uh, a plant from forward, um and that started in 2003. I went back to work as a teacher part time. After three years of, of doing that, so my son was a bit older then, um, I just felt that I'd come to the end of what I could do in the job that I was doing. But coincidentally, but I know it wasn't coincidence (laughs) Um, the the, the Lord had laid it on uh, my uh, minister's heart to bring to the church family's attention um, the need for uh, a woman on the staff team um, and someone to oversee women's ministry and so the church family started praying about that and he got together a group of women who met with him and prayed I was one of those and so everything kind of went from there and eventually um, our um, uh, leaders invited me to take on the role. It was voluntary when it started, it was part-time, um, but because I'd handed in my notice <laughs> and I was thinking, Lord, where are you leading me? Um, and when I'd heard about the women's ministry, I have to say a little light on went in my heart and went, oh, yes, I think I'd love to do that. Um, but obviously the, the time... Um, and prayer led to the the offer being made
0: and you were in a position to do that on a voluntary basis I was so um you're you're married and presumably your husband has a job and and that enables you um to to not need to be paid for the work you
1: do at church is that right yeah that's absolutely right so if we're talking about supporters he's my biggest supporter (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and Um, then um Further training came my way because again, my minister Tim has been such a a great encourager Mm -hmm. and supporter um, for women's ministry and for me. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, Oak Hill, um, we're at that time doing some distance learning. And um, he'd been in conversation with them about doing something for Sheffield. Mm Um, and the Northwest, there was something in Liverpool, I think, at the time. Yeah. But anyway, a little group in Sheffield was formed, and it was just the perfect window of opportunity for me. I couldn't have gone to London um, and done it full time. So I did a part time foundation degree over four years um, with um, three other men, um, brothers who are now working as associate ministers. Um, So that was absolutely fantastic. And um, I just look back on that time as a real time of growth and Mm -hmm. encouragement, really.
0: That's wonderful. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it, hearing everybody's stories. And, and, you know, my story has um, elements of all of that as well, the sort of hunger for learning. And, you know, I did more college modules basically from when I left university and I worked in in um, various jobs and, and ended up as a teacher as well. And I think I did eighteen more college oh, jobs, wow. which is certainly more than anyone I've met. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was exactly that thing of just I just want to keep learning. And and I wasn't yeah. always in you know mm-hmm. I was in lovely churches, but I wasn't always getting great Bible teaching. And there weren't loads of other yeah. opportunities. And I just I just had to to keep doing it. And then eventually, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so the, the opportunity came up to do Cornhill. Um, so I did that and thought then, well, I, I'll see if I can get a job working for a church. And I it, that was a long and convoluted process in, involving um, a year of supply teaching and applying for jobs that was pretty soul destroying. Um, and then eventually, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, again, I was a ministry trainee for a year at that point, And then I went to Oak Hill. But, um, you know, that that sort of wanting it um but also then not quite knowing how that would happen or where that would lead and and the sort of um just seeing opportunities that that come up at a moment and thinking right I'm going to grab that yeah. I'm going to do that I'm going to try and make this happen even though I'm not quite sure how it will work out or or why yeah. and i wonder that that sense of uncertainty is that something that resonates with with either of you that It hasn't always been clear for me, at least what what the next step would be, but also what the longer term path would be. Is that something um, that you felt?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think. um, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I don't don't think that feeling has gone away. (laughs) Um, If I'd actually say it's increased uh, as time has gone on, so. I mean, for me, you know, that it was a difficult time, obviously, leaving Germany and sort of trying to figure out where is this headed? Um, But at least, you know, going to a a trainee position and knowing there was at least the prospect of going to theological education meant the next step was a bit easier. But you know, even when I was in Germany and thinking about work and where it would head or even just, you know, now, I mean, even more so now, um, I really have no idea. And it's not the case that I don't know sort of the remit of skills or desires that I have or the sorts of people or places I'd I'd like to be working with. And um, it's more that there's no sort of trodden out path or vocational trajectory uh, for women like me um, in most places. And so it often sort of develops Mm. over time as you get to know people, as you make contacts, as you know, as Fee's saying, the Lord just suddenly opens up a path that wasn't there before and, and it strikes something in your heart and um, mm. there is something beautiful about that, but there's also mm. something, yeah, quite scary <laughs> and, and unsettling and, and, and it can be quite, it can be an anxious time and I think, you know, as human beings, we don't deal very well with anxiety anyway on the best of days, so... I think that's right.
0: I mean, obviously, you know, to some extent everybody mm. has that experience going into ministry. You know, all the guys that you're at college with, mm. when you start in year one, you don't know what the Lord has for you at the end of it. But, but maybe what's different is they can see mm. people doing the sort of work that yeah. they think is likely that the Lord is calling to them in the future. And certainly if they're Anglicans, they're likely to be within a structure that will, you know, there are people there who will, mm. you know, whose job it is to make that happen them at least at the start and one of the things I think I've always struggled with is is I don't really feel yeah. like I've ever had any role models that I can look at and say yeah actually those are the sort of people doing the sort of jobs that I want to do and I can see how they mm. they got there and and that's the sort of path I'm going to be on. Fi is that something that you've you felt as well you've sort of fallen into yours in a way <laughs> by just being in the church at the right place
1: at the right time but yes um so I think, yes, yeah, so mine's slightly different. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned Kate already. She was a fantastic role model. And um thing is, when you're church planting, everything is pioneering. <laughs> so I was the, the first women's uh, uh, worker. And, um, you know, so basically um, Tim trusted me to... Um, just develop things as we went along, and really, it has been a path of discovery that we've been doing together as a church family about what this will look like and what it will mean. I'm so thankful to the Lord. I mean, I just have thoroughly enjoyed it, and He has given me great joy in the work that I do. When I first started, I meant to see Kate because she was still at Forward at that point, and I said, Kate. Uh, tell me what do I need to do (laughs) (laughs) just just download everything into my brain please Kate Um, and we had a wonderful chat but at the end of it she said V what you need is um, a mentor you need someone that you can just call on who's not in your church that you can go to um, and talk stuff through with so I was like great thanks Kate very much and so I came home and I thought about it and I went well, do you know what, Kate? I think you've got yourself a job. there. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, that's wonderful. I got back in touch with her and said, "Kate, would you meet with me, please?" Yeah. <laughs> so um, her job was changing, and um, uh, she would she would be moving on in a couple of years. But she gave me a couple of years of Friday lunch times once a month. Brilliant. Um, and that was just absolutely fantastic. So um,
0: that's so interesting. You know, when yeah. when you're talking, for you, you, you can hear so clearly the roles that both Tim and Kate have played and how crucial they have been in developing your gifts, recognising your gifts, encouraging you to to be equipped and to train and and then you know okay here are the opportunities to use those gifts and we're going to support you uh, in that and then you know as opportunities come up like they did with the Oak Hill training we're yeah. going to support you to do that. And I think that's a really wonderful model of, of how the mm-hmm. church ought to be with with everyone in these congregations. So, you mm-hmm. know, I do mm-hmm. think that's a, mm-hmm. a key role of a pastor is, is recognising the gifts that God has given your church and mm-hmm. encouraging people mm-hmm. in those and equipping them to use them and, and giving them opportunities to do that. And I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like you know, we all want a minister like Tim and a, and a mentor like Kate, and that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? <laughs> the first book of the homilies, Church of England's official sermons in modern English, edited by Lee Gatis with a foreword by George Whitfield, is now available to purchase from the Church Society website. We have editions in hardback for £15, paperback for £10 and a digital version for just 4 pounds These sermons, first published in 1547, are now available for the first time in an easily accessible, affordable version with modern English updated uh, so that it's comprehensible to the ordinary reader, full of footnotes helping you to understand the many people who are referenced uh, and quoted in the texts. The homilies remain a touchstone of Anglican theology along with the 39 articles and the Book of Common Prayer. And evangelicals throughout the centuries have found them an enormously helpful and clear statement of basic Christian doctrine and basic Christian living. The homilies contain the fullest and clearest explanation of Anglican sexual ethics, something which mustn't be overlooked in today's debates around those issues and yet is barely referenced in the Living in Love and Faith materials. So the first book of homilies, the Church of England's official sermons in modern English, edited by Lee Gaitis, is important reading for every member of the Church of England today. it's a little bit about some of this, but I wonder if, if as you look back, whether there have been particular struggles or obstacles or or times when you've just thought, I just don't know whether this can be what God's calling me to, or I think it is, but I don't know if I can do it. I wonder mm. whether either of you have experiences or, mm. or things like that that have come up. They're both looking blank. It's obviously been very straightforward. Mm. <laughs> no no uh... well I'll go 1st Actually, for me it was um yeah. well a number of moments but um particularly I talked about that time after I had um finished Cornhill and obviously while I was doing Cornhill I'd been applying for jobs and and then I had another year or so after that of applying uh for jobs and I was in my late 20s at that time and I didn't have any um previous paid ministry experience although I've been you know actively serving in in mm-hmm. churches and and in different sorts of uh ministries uh, around that and I'd loved Cornhill and I you know had been um you know it, yeah it just been a really terrific time and I I really thought I had strengths that that I could bring to a church work job and and I knew I didn't have Loads and loads of life experience. I knew I wasn't the person who was going to counsel your women who were going through traumatic situations well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I knew that I could teach the Bible really well and encourage women. And and the thing that was was hard, A, how few opportunities there were, you know, during that whole time, it's about 18 months, I think there were maybe a dozen jobs that I even felt I could apply for. And part of the issue there was
2: Mm.
0: almost all the parachurch ministry jobs I didn't feel I could do as a complementarian. Um, You know, and that may have been different. I'm not saying there were no complementarian women doing those jobs, but in terms of how you think your complementarianism applies on the ground, some people would have different understanding of, of how they could do that and what they felt was appropriate. And I think probably now where I signed on that is a bit different from where I was 20 years ago. But at the time, I didn't feel like there were many of those that I could apply for. And lots of the church jobs I was applying mm. for, you know, yeah, they weren't really looking for someone like me. And it, it was just pretty soul destroying being turned down again mm. and again and again um, for jobs that, mm. some of which I mm. really thought I could do. They seemed absolutely perfect for me on paper and I didn't get them and I didn't know mm. why. And it also just felt like I don't know what to do next. You know, I'd sort of done the training that I could afford to do. I thought I was in a position where I could do that. I'd given up my full time job. You know, I was ready to move anywhere, do anything. And it was just Mm. one closed door after another. And then there was nobody really, you know, my vicar was was kind and and tried to be helpful. And they, you know, looked out for jobs in the paper, in the you know, Christian papers and that kind of thing that they thought would seat me and wrote really lovely references. But it just mm. felt like I don't know what to do now. It felt like an absolutely blank path. And I didn't mm. have anyone that I could phone up and say, what do you think? Should yeah. I just stop? Should I just go back to teaching? Or, you know, should I try this? Or should I try that? And mm. that mm. that was where I felt really on my own in
2: it. Um yeah. I mean obviously my I'm a bit mm. um earlier in this the process of training um and my experiences have been a bit different, but um I mean I felt that I think the last couple of years. Um I think one thing I didn't quite expect coming to theological college was how different maybe this was naive, but how different it really would be to mm. say my first university experience um in terms of the ratios of men and women. Um the sort of parity of job opportunities afterwards, the, um, I guess, the, the mentoring that's available or the sort of conversations that you can have and networks that you can build. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? I think the Lord does use even pandemics to raise these things and to bring them up in your own life as, as matters that you are really concerned about. Um, but I remember the last sort of year to year and a half, um, you know, often, talking like with my parents or with a couple of friends who weren't at college um, and just saying, am I am I really doing the right thing here? Um, you know, in, in the eyes of everybody else that I would speak to who's got a different job, you know, Christians or non-Christians in other employment, they just all think I'm a bit mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it just doesn't look like I, like, I can't see a way out of college um, that provides the sort of the sort of employment and mentoring and and pathway that that would probably be right for me um and I wasn't seeing those people around college I wasn't seeing other women and um, for example I was seeing a lot of guys that I was like well I'd love to work with you or I'd love to do what you're able to do or you know looking at some of the lecturers or ministers that came in and thinking oh yeah I'd like to do a little bit of that or a little bit of that and but just, yeah, not finding, like you say, really, those role models are those openings. I'm wondering, mm. do I just wait for the Lord's timing? Or is this a systemic problem that I'm coming up against and I cannot solve? And do I need to think about, you know, I did my degree in languages. Do I need to think about mm. tutoring German, for example, and earning a wage that way and just sort of being helpful? And I think the most unhelpful thing that people said to me at the time um and you know this is not not really a criticism of of like friends here but that some people did say to me you know well theological education will be useful anywhere you go Vicky you know I'm sure you'll be a blessing to the church and I just kind of felt but that doesn't answer my question (laughs) you know that that's that's not why I'm spending nine thousand pounds a year at theological college yeah um you know, I, I need to make this viable. Um, and that wasn't because they were trying to be unhelpful. They were trying to genuinely be helpful and encouraging and say, the Lord can use you anywhere, Vicky, which is true. But right. it didn't answer the s- systemic problem and the the burden of what I was feeling.
0: Exactly. And I think I think that's a really helpful thing. The, both those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. The Lord may be wanting to teach you patience and dependence and trust and faith, mm. but also there may be a, a much bigger systemic problem that actually he wants you to to be aware of and start raising questions Mm. about and and i don't Mm. think doing that is an expression of not trusting him Mm. it it's a you know and i think sometimes maybe we're too slow or unwilling to raise those bigger questions Mm. because we think it's all about us Mm. and actually i should just suck up whatever the lord uh, wants me to Mm. you know and at one level yeah it's fine but also you know one of the things i feel very passionately about is changing the the culture and the structures to some extent of of how we value women in the church and their ministry in the church and how we do that in really practical clear ways um you know it's not okay That still in 2021, some churches just automatically pay their women's staff less than their male staff. Mm. It's just not okay, Mm. Um, And it's not about not trusting the Lord to provide Mm. if you're the woman in that situation. Mm. It's about saying this is not a reflection of the gospel. Mm. This is not a reflection of how God values men and women. Mm. And if that's what your church is doing... Mm even if they are saying all the right things about men and women, mm. they are showing that they don't really believe that. And so I think,
2: mm.
0: yeah, we we do need to, to be more willing to speak up about those those more um, deep-rooted problems.
2: I, know, I think it, it if, if you don't speak into those problems, I think it has deep spiritual and theological consequences um, for men and women. So it does, uh, you know, I hope I'm not speaking too personally, but and it doesn't relate to anybody else's experience, but it does make you question, what does the Lord actually think of women? And what does he really think the church is about? And um, I just think we have a world looking on that already distrusts the Christian gospel. Um, and you know, if, if our own men and women are doubting <laughs> that we are made wonderful in the Lord's eyes, um, yes, as broken people, yes, as sinners, oh. but actually we are made as people to reflect him. And women do that as as much as men in the same and different ways. You know, if we're not actually showing that, then we're actually not reflecting the Lord and his personality and his glory in the way that we should be. And the world does pick up on that. And other Christians pick up on that. And it becomes very spiritually discouraging. Uh, It puts people off. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, I think that's right. You know, we do want, as a church you know we don't want to be driven by the world's agenda but actually we ought to be aiming to do things better than the Mm. world not not worse than them and you know that that recognition of the equal value of men and women in in because we are created in god's image ought to drive us to to be treating um you know men and women you know wonderfully in our churches not somehow giving us license to to be sexist in the way we're treating them and and give women a lesser role or a lesser place Mm. um yeah that that's my hobby horse anyway (laughs) complementarianism is not sexism and i i do think we need to be be careful about that but i want to just move on to to maybe think more more positively about this and what are some of the things that you think would really help or you know would really have helped you at different stages i mean you know we've we've heard from free we all want a a tim and a and a kate in our lives to help but i wonder if there are other things that you think yeah it would have really been great if i'd had this kind of support to to turn to or or this kind of um help that i could call on i mean um, at different stages i have
2: have to say i do i do think that the lord has brought people along my path at just really key moments i think the lord is so providentially kind um You know, when I was a a UCCF Relay worker, you know, my staff worker was brilliant. He just shoved me into all sorts of things I never would have thought I could do because he saw potential there and he wanted to throw me into the deep end. (laughs) And I was immensely grateful. Um, And then, you know, just at various points of crises, there have been people who've rocked up and said, oh, what about this? You know, like my friend, for example, that I you know, got this job up in Manchester through. Um, But I think, I think the thing... I probably would have well that I've been longing for really for for some years is is for mentoring um, mm. and I, uh, the kind of support that comes from a minister or a, or a team that says we see we see your value um, we see what you can do and we really want to invest in that because we think that will be good for all of us you know so it's not about you <laughs> Um, and the kind of selfishness of you as an individual, but but really the welfare of all um, and, and to put the, I guess, the, the funding and the time and the, the mentoring into that. So not not me having to constantly build the networks myself or find the people or I mean, it's wonderful the Lord has provided and brought people along my path, but not having to depend solely on that at providential times but actually having something that's local church based because there's been a mindset shift, but also perhaps Mm. more nationally, (laughs) you know, connecting those Mm. dots that this is something that we're all working together to do. So, you know, mentoring, training, actual job opportunities. Um, But yeah, having that kind of base where it is actually available in the local church in most cases, Mm. rather than a bit here, a bit there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, really helpful. Mm-hmm. P do you
1: have anything mm. to, to add in that? Um, well, I guess things that I've really appreciated over the time I've been working for church now are just... Um, yeah, things that I've been pointed to that have just been really helpful. So Kate introduced me to the Proclamation Trust Women in Ministry Conference, and I've been to that um, three or four times in the last these last 12 years, and each time was incredibly helpful for networking and... Just finding about other um, resources that you can use and uh, and are helpful because um, I think yeah I mean I'm conscious that when I often go to other sort of ministry meetings or conferences where it's um, uh, you know uh, men and women together um, the men uh, are in the are more numerous <laughs> being the church leaders of course. Um, but it would be wonderful to see more women at those things, um, with whom, you know, you can um, network and um, be encouraged with. Again, I think my pathway has been a bit different. Mm. Um, I'm really, I realise the blessing benefit has been to have been part of my church family before I started working for them, mm. um, and just you know, it's been a, it's been a path of of growth mm. and discovery. Um, along the way,
0: yeah, that's terrific. Mm. And I, I think, um, I said this at the beginning. One of the things I find more and more as I talk to women in ministry or at different stages is just everybody's experience is so different. Everybody's journey is so different, which, mm. which you know, goes back to what we we're saying. about there isn't really a clear path. There isn't a, a sort of well-trodden route that you say, okay, well, you do this and then you do this. And then these are the sort of jobs that are available for you, and you know that's how your sort of career, for want of a better word, might might go. Mm. Um, it is really everybody sort of finding their own way through somehow, and it's really great, um, you know, to to hear stories of, of where that's worked so so well and and so brilliantly.
1: Mm.
0: But I guess it also can feel a bit frustrating if you're women and things, but. But my church doesn't do that my my minister isn't like that so now i don't know what to do you know you, yes. you can't then plan to be in that situation um and that i think that's where it's harder anyway it's been really great to hear from both of you about your different situations and, and different experiences i wanted to to have this podcast by way of introduction to a new venture that we're launching um that i'm heading up uh from church society Um, But as I say, it it sort of is under the auspices of the Bishop of Maidstone, uh, Bishop Rod Thomas. And that is the co-workers network. Um, The co-workers network is for uh, complementarian women in Anglican ministry. So we are glad to welcome in uh, women like Fee, who's in uh, an AMIE church or, uh, you know, people, uh, if you're listening and you're in, I don't know, the Church in Wales or the Free Church in England or, or whatever, you're very welcome to join us, uh, as well as obviously women within the Church of England. And the Coworkers Network is aiming to be some of this kind of support that we've been talking about, um, to be a way of sharing information so that people can find out about opportunities for studying, ways of raising funding, information about jobs that may be coming up, Um, to share information about working conditions and contracts, uh, those kinds of issues. We also hope that we'll be able to set up some mentoring relationships, uh, pairing up women with someone more senior, more experienced, who can uh, be that sort of resource at the end of a phone or over Zoom or even in person maybe, um, to to help give you guidance and advice through a particular uh, stage in your life. Uh, we're hoping to host a number of um, webinars on particular issues uh, that might be relevant. So, for example, you know, I'd love to do on, on how you work well with men and women in a staff team together and, and maybe get a couple of uh, male ministers and, and female workers and, and have uh, opportunity to think more about that. Uh, I've forgotten what else we're planning to do, but we are planning to do a number of things. Uh, anyway, you will find information about all of this. On the church society website, there is a Facebook group which you can join, and an email newsletter to sign up for, um, and you will get all the information about that. And uh, that we'd love to have you, whether you're already uh, in ministry, whether you're uh, paid or unpaid, uh, whether you're in training, or whether you're somebody just starting to think. As you sit in that church, I'm really hungry to learn more, and maybe the Lord is calling me. Uh, to some kind of more formal ministry role in the future Uh, so that is the co-workers network you'll find all the links for it in the show notes in this podcast thank you so much uh, Fee and Vicky for sharing um, a lot of uh, quite personal things about uh, your work with the Lord and uh, your journey uh, into ministry it's been so great uh, to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well.